Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Happy at Work podcast. So we have a big welcome to you, Irena Sargent from Hooky Wellness. We're so excited that you're here with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this combo um, and to be a part of your community. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. So let's start out by tell us a little bit about your career journey. Kind of how did you get to where you are now? And maybe how did you get to the point of starting your business? Yeah, so I can tell you that creating a career around burnout was not something uh, that I expected to do and wasn't on my plan. Um, now, in hindsight, I guess it was always a part of it. <laughs> right, right. So uh, from a background standpoint, I am classic trained marketing and innovation leader. So I've built my career starting in workspace design um, in an office furniture manufacturer. We're working on workplace dynamics, how to foster communication and how to build environments for teams to thrive. Um, I went back to get my MBA and moved into consumer goods, Um, wanted to do B2C. I love going in the grocery store and seeing products that make people smile. So I wanted to work on those. Um, So I had wonderful opportunities to work on some of the world's biggest brands um, in the food industry, which is a personal passion of mine. Um, And then um, I moved into early stage startup. um, And then I also worked in the tech industry. Um, So I've had an amazing career that I'm very appreciative of it, um, experiencing people, dynamics across the country and across the globe. Um, And about five years ago is where my biggest bout of burnout really happened. And it started, um, it was brought about by workplace burnout because we all know there's different versions. My lane is workplace. It finds me. Um, But it started as an amazing opportunity and then um, turned into a uh, learning experience, I would say. And so um, that was the first experience where working harder was no longer working. And being from Detroit, very blue collar upbringing, working harder was a solution to everything, right? Um, And so for me, that was what started me in my exploration of mental health and wellness, um, a deep diving more into psychology, personal development, spaces that I've always had personal interest in, but now I needed it. Um, And as I was going through that experience, trying to help myself feel better, I started to recognize how far from alone I was, as well as how challenging finding support when you need it the most, how just challenging and friction filled that process is. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the middle of me trying to figure it out and dealing with my versions of life lifing, which it seems to follow me, um, I decided to start entrepreneurship and to help other people in this journey. And so I built Hooky Wellness really as a approachable, relatable burnout relief support system. I especially um, help those in high performance work environments who always have things to do, always have goals and objectives to fulfill that are stretched to start with, um, help us figure out how 
to in a sense do it all and realize what things shouldn't be included in it all. Um, and so really giving um, these individuals a starting point for burnout relief uh, to get them going because depending upon where they are in this journey in the cycle, it could be a, lar- a longer recovery or relief period. For some, it could be all about prevention. So it's giving the language, the tools, the know-how. And then I've been helping um, organizations and individuals with this relief. So really bridging that gap between uh, systemic challenges, collective issues, and individual behaviors. Oh, that's that's amazing. Just one kind of follow-up on that. Isn't it so interesting how deeply ingrained the work harder mm-hmm. effort, you know, it's like try, 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 put more and more and more in. It's so deeply ingrained in us, isn't it? To that we think that's the only way that we can succeed is if we do that. I'm just I'm fascinated by how deep that is. Yeah. And I think so the past couple of years have opened up our eyes to how much that is just a part of our conditioning. Like since I could have one job, I had three. I was always that kid. Uh, It was just part of how we do. And being especially a woman of color, we're taught from an early age, you have to work twice as hard to get half as far. So to me, I'm like when you step back and look at all the pieces and the data points, it's no surprise. It's just surprising how we haven't recognized it. Yes. But it's a wonderful cycle. If we're always working, you have no time to breathe and to question and to think. So it was a very strategic system that was set up in place. Yes, it was very much. So it's interesting to me to hear you say that as well, because I actually have a 15 year old right now who, who has three jobs and he loves it. It's he's a skateboarder. He works at a skate shop. He teaches a skateboard camp. He washes dishes at the local restaurant next attached to that. And everyone I have met has, has just praised him and thought it was so wonderful that he works 12 hour days. And, you know, I have to say like both, you know, my husband and I are like, wow, congratulations. Like you're, you've got this great job. You're working so hard. But then I catch myself saying, gosh, what am, what am I conditioning him for? Right. It's, it's equating this praise and this approval kind of process to literally working to the bone. I mean, the kid is 15 years old, working 12 hours a day. I, you know, so I I've actually demanded that he take some time off in the upcoming weekends to try to, you know, just, just decompress. But, you know, I find that kind of pride that comes with a hardworking kid. Um, and, and I'm catching myself doing not falling into that same trap, but, but I really want to think, um, talk about the types of clients that you work with. And you mentioned that, you know, there are things that should be included versus not included in burnout. And really curious to see what kind of themes that you're hearing that are related to either organizations that are reporting a lot of burnout or individuals that report burnout. Absolutely. And um, a couple caveats. So I am not mental health. I'm mental health adjacent. I work with wonderful partners like you and practitioners across the field of mental health, wellness, professional development, leadership, and wellness modalities. I'm really a curator of the different skill sets. I am leveraging my experience as a brand manager and leader to identify what are the right tools, what are the right skill sets and thought processes to tap into because there's such a unique experience around, there's unique experiences within this universal syndrome. Um, so I always say I'm mental health adjacent. I give that caveat, especially in the company of those with letters in front of their names. Um, 
So when it comes to the clients, I, as I said, I really focus on those in high performance environments. So I especially work at um, Fortune, um, 1,500, 100, I've worked uh, with organizations and teams across orgs, including Google, Microsoft, Deloitte. Um, I've also worked in nonprofits, uh, Teach for America. Um, one of my um, longer term clients is his FaithX for education. Um, I also work with educational institutions as I support my MBA program at Indiana University with mental wellness programming for their current students. And this is the third year. Um, so I'm really in environments where they're focused on building connection between teams and leaders. They're really focused on how can we set our teams up for proactive uh, behaviors? How can we break through um, and create something new, engaging, and something that is more relatable that they can actually learn the know-how? I'm all about teaching people how to fish um, so that they will know when they need to, um, because burnout is one of those situational behaviors and it can pop up at different stages of life. You can get through one cycle of it and then it comes back up. Um, so it's really about equipping people for proactive behavior. So those are the kind of clients. Um, and when I look across it, even though there's differences across those clients, there are a lot of similarities. Um, one of the themes in the first place is not even recognizing it's what you're dealing with. Um, so there is a throw burnout has gone from hashtags on Instagram about spinning tires now into self-development, how that has grown leaps and bounds over the past four years. And the burnout was, I call hustle culture's dirty secret and is now the top priority for orgs. There is a continued lack of understanding of what it truly is who it affects and how it shows up. And so what often manifests is people don't aren't forced to recognize something as often until they're so late in the process that the only solution truly is taking a sabbatical, taking significant time off, finding a job, but they don't recognize the earlier stage symptoms because we're so used to saying everything's fine and thinking that this is just normal stress, but burnout and stress are cousins, but they're not the same. And so there's a continued lack of gap in understanding and just awareness of how to recognize it and what to do before things um, accelerate. Another big challenge in that is people, uh, people do recognize something's going on and it's typically late in the cycle, but at that point, they're too overwhelmed to do anything about it. Um, and then you're also doing, the thing about burnout is even if you're in the deepest stages, the rest of life doesn't stop just because you are. And so then I have a theme of people who are like, I know something's wrong. I know I need to do something, but I still have my life to lead. I still have households to run. I still have like bills to pay. I still have objectives to fill. I, so you have that conflict, especially in these environments of those who are used to being high achievers, used to figuring it out, doing it all. So how do I do it all? but fix this at the same time. And that requires a mindset shift. And then the last theme is guilt, which, yeah, that one shows up with everybody and everything. You're probably uh, very familiar with that in your work. Um, but for those who are dealing with the first two and they're like, okay, I'm gonna do something, as simple as taking time off. Like one of the biggest things that gets in the way of people using their vacation days is the guilt of, walking away and what's the team going to do without me or I'm not or I'm slack the perceived thought of I'm slacking and so there's no wonder in 2018 we had 
over seven, 768 million unused vacation days. And Glassdoor just did another study and over half people said they can't unplug on vacation because of this ongoing guilt. But we know these things like time off and mental wellness modalities and self-development and hobbies and personal time work to offset symptoms of burnout, stress, anxiety, and a myriad of other things. But we feel guilty when we do any of these behaviors. So we're, we got a little bit of a challenge in our hands, but those are some of the themes that I see across. Serious work to do, right? Uh, thank you for so much for sharing that. That was really so interesting. So I think, you know, here at the Happy at Work podcast, we focus on positive psychology at work right? Primarily. So I was curious about in the work you do, how do you think about positive psychology and maybe some of those practices or principles in in your work? Yeah. And um, I will say I'm still learning about positive psychology, but I do like that because it is um, the opposite of the medical approach of something broken, let's fix it. Um, because that's worked very well here. Um, and so I, I love what I'm learning. And so really with the different levels of having relating to positive experiences, traits, um, behaviors within institutions, I love the angle of, I think it gives a, a special lens to gratitude, um, which I know is a piece of this. And then also um, uh, gratitude and appreciation. And so this ties in with, um, one of the themes that I see is guilt because people have guilt because they don't think they're doing things, but if they often are overlooking the stuff that they are doing. So if they're able to focus and highlight their positive experiences, their positive contributions, their positive skill sets, and they're able to step back and say, oh, wait, I am constantly adding value. I am having wins that can offset some of the internal um, perceived barriers that allow them to start prioritizing self. So I think there's an interesting handoff and connection here. Um, the thing that I'm always balancing, and I, I like to use a lens more of the positive side, is t- making sure to not cross the line in a toxic positivity where everything is awesome and you just ignore that things are burning. Um, so it's a fine line, and um, I welcome any thoughts that you both have on how to manage that piece, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. It's such a shame that we've sort of oversimplified positive psychology to be this thing that's just about smiling and everything's great, right? Because when yep. you dig into positive psychology, there's so much more to it around mindsets and practices and things like that that are acknowledging where you are and acknowledging how hard things are, but still, and still finding a way to think about things that helps you, you know? And so I think that there's so much more um, for us to learn in the positive psychology realm. It's really a relatively new area. And as it applies to organizations Mm -hmm. also, right? Because so much of it's been focused on like more thinking about people just as individual human beings, which is great. So, um, so I'm with you. I, it is a shame when we kind of oversimplify it and people think it's just about being happy, you know, faking it, you know, and, and smiling, you know, the world. Um, yeah. We, we, I've, part of the challenge of burnout is that it limits people's bandwidth and we often have only the bandwidth to go to a surface level. Yeah. And so that's how we get into, Oh, it said positive. I'm just going to be positive. And it's like, no, 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 no. Did you read the other white papers or anything else? Um, <laughs> And so, yes, uh, that is a big thing because I've seen the pendulum, especially in social chatter, 
go so often into the toxic positivity. And it's like, can we, can we just also recognize that life is happening and it's not always great. And by ignoring what's really happening, it could put you into an even more uh, damaging or challenging issue. So you're absolutely right. Like it's a, it's about that balance and giving a recognition and shining a light. Um, there could be an interesting interplay. This just came to mind of like with improv, the whole idea of yes. And uh, because it's truly that it's like, yes, that's happening. And, and? <laughs> completely. I love that. So speaking about practices and, and that we can employ and organizations can employ to really foster um, an environment where people can thrive, what are some interventions or tips that you give to individuals? Um, maybe one or two that you can share here. Absolutely. So um, that is all about the work that we do at Hookie Wellness. Um, and I'm always taking like a tailored approach as I, as I work on my clients because it is a very nuanced experience, um, though there are commonalities across is very nuanced. And so um, one of the interventions is bringing more of a personalized approach to it. Um, there's a lot of in the business world, we call it peanut butter spreading, um, where people are like, this is the solve for everything. Um, and so if you can start to get a deeper understanding of your employees and the challenges that they're facing, you could be even more tailored on the solutions you provide, or at least the ones you highlight. You can continue to build your portfolio of resources and tools, but everything isn't for everyone. And the greater you're able deeper you're able to define and understand who your employees are, you can help understand which one of those resources they need. Um, and it also helps from a business and a financial sense. So you're not just spending money everywhere. Um, so the more tailored solutions. So that's from, that can be happening at different levels. So from an HR, from an organization standpoint, from a benefit standpoint, taking that surgical approach, um, but from a team approach, like we have a burnout risk assessment to help teams understand really what areas are highly at risk. And then we deep dive into equipping them with preventative language, relief packages and toolkits to understand how to use it. And then also tying it directly to the benefits within their organization and how they can leverage it. Um, other interventions really from an individual issue, individual um, challenge, and this helps even as a team is bringing in that self-awareness and opening up for a space of uh, uh, ongoing self-reflection practice, bringing just awareness of seeing that there are trends in your life of symptoms, not just flukes. Because so often people see them as individual data points and that's how they're easily dismissed. But being able to bring that thread or see that trend through, once you're able to equip individuals with the know-how and the feeling of personal agency or safety of expressing their personal agency, they can start doing that. And if we're working from that level and the top organizational level, that's how we connect the dots. Um, and fill in that gap because right now there's just so many initiatives happening in silos. Um, and so that is why I'm, I've been building and working with Hookie as we do. It's really to bring it all together and to be that hub that can bring that can help people know where to start. That's so cool to do both, right? That just feels like the only way in organizations really to make meaningful changes. It has to be both, right? From top and at the individual employee level. That's so yeah. good. Um, so I'd love for you to share some stories with us, either about maybe your own personal experience or with maybe some of the clients that you've worked with around, you know, the impact of being burned out and then how maybe you or they have worked on improving it. 
And I'm so grateful that uh, through my journey, I've been able to recognize those external stressors, my internal stressors and how I react to it so I can get ahead of it. And so this is a long time coming because when I was first experiencing, uh, well, the biggest bout of burnout that caused this part of my life, um, I it took for me to be like an accelerated stage. And what I started to recognize was uh, physical symptoms of my pace of speech was increasing. I already talk fast. It was faster than this. Um, I sounded like six off of Blossom all the time. Yes, that's my age. And I could not stop. I could not turn it off. Um, I was working insane hours. Um, I was noticing, though, the amount that I worked, I was producing less and things were getting less and less clear. Like I could not connect the dots as quickly, which are very real symptoms of burnout that people don't talk about. Um, and I was noticing other uh, what com comes to find out other mental health things that were latent started to rear their head because I wasn't balancing it. And then what really, um, so I became very frustrated. And then I was noticing that my usual ways to relief were no longer working. A massage table is my happy place. But when I'm on a massage table, I'm supposed to be chilling. But if my brain is racing, how can I do that? And so that was constant, like, and on the yoga mat, like I was no longer finding relief in the re in my relief ways. Um, and so I knew something about therapy. And so that is where I started to really look for the practice. Um, I also, in the midst of this, we were moving. So I had the wonderful fun of having to find new therapists and start that up. So um, I, for, for me, a big thing is I know, I knew what I was good at. And in the business world, uh, one of my really strong skill sets is in the innovation period. I can build a new concept business brand like that based on consumer insights. And so I used my skill set from work and applied it to self. And that is actually the crux of what I do with Hooky and how we set it up. And so I use design thinking frameworks and innovation and brand building. So I did that with self and it's tied into reflection and introspection. So for me, it was, what are the things I like to do? What are things I don't want to do? What are the things, experiences I am having? How do they make me feel? And then realizing the disconnect or gap of what I wanted versus what I had and how it, and how it, felt limiting and challenging at the same time. And then I took it steps further and connected it in my conversations with my therapist. So I could have that additional dig sites of, hey, I noticed this, but I don't know what's going on here. Um, and so for me, that balance of introspection and external support was what helped me get um, to those next stages. And for me, I've always been curious in looking at different modalities and testing and learning. And so that is exactly what I've employed for Hooky. It's like, there's so many resources out here, which one helps in what ways? How do we help you understand what start, where you're starting and then connect you to the right resources to move forward? Because sometimes it's a therapist, sometimes it's a coach, sometimes it's different wellness modalities. So for me, that is how I had to explore. And then truly it was um, what really made me go deep because I was also, I had burnout at work, internal shifting of values, goals, and what I wanted to do. And then my version of life, lifing in the deepest part, my dad was dealing with cancer and that fun stuff, moving around the country career. So there was a deeper internal shift that I was dealing with. And so by having that support system, I was able to get through it. And then I took leave and my therapist put me on timeout, <laughs> literally. Um, because I started working on leave on hooky. And I told her I put down one laptop and picked up the other. And she said, no, 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 that's 
that's not what we're here for. Um, and so by being forced to slow down, it helped me understand the power of that and the power of playing hooky. And so it was in that space, I started to get back into my hobbies, connecting with girlfriends and just sitting and being, reading those books and those magazines that were stacking up. So that was a little, that was mine. Um, one of the, but one of the other things that I always like to shed light on is that it's not a one and done. And so both with myself and with, um, some clients, I see a lot of people rushing to relief and they think it's all solved and everything's fine. And then we re-engage six months later and they're back in the same situation, um, just in a different venue. And so we, this is just often connected to culture has so often said burnout is a result of just your job. Yeah. Your job does a lot, especially workplace burnout. Your job has a lot to do with it, but if there are dynamics of your job, your role or your situation, or you're dealing with internal shifts, even if you change jobs, it will come back. And so I've seen that with a lot of people where they will get to a really good place and then they'll change positions and then fast forward a couple more months and they're in a different lens of the same situation because they had not recognized the larger, deeper things that were going on that were dealing with misalignments. And a lot of that I found is evolution in values and evolution in um, career goals or intentions. Um, But we're supposed to climb the ladder, right? You're supposed to go up. But no one tells you that you can switch ladders, you can stop, you can totally change what ladder or what house that ladder is on. So um, those are two stories in different lenses of burnout experiences that hopefully help and shed some light. I um, I just have to say, I love that you, as a marketer, right, um, took your your kind of marketing lens and your your brand and really focused on your own personal brand. Um, I relate to that so much because as um, I was a marketing professor for six years and I now work with organizations and really talk about operationalizing brand values and purpose, right? And so it's, it's about telling organizations you can't espouse a certain value or hashtag about it if you haven't actually operationalized those values. And I think it's what you just articulated is how humans can intellectualize burnout. We can intellectualize, oh, this is how you, yes, I meditate 20 minutes a day and I do this and this and this, and this is what makes me self-aware. But a lot of times we're not actually operationalizing those practices and operationalizing those values. We're espousing them because intellectually we, we know that they're important, but we don't actually do it, make it work for us. So um, I think the way you just put that is so beautiful. Um, as, as a marketer who started out in CPG, my first job out of college was General Mills. So I, yep. I think you probably you have a very that. similar background. Um, as we come to a close, this was such an amazing conversation that I feel like the time just flew, but what kind of final, maybe a piece of advice you would give to listeners as far as, you know, if they're starting to feel symptoms of burnout, like what's that first step that they can take? What advice would you give them? Just hit me up. Um, so <laughs> seriously, start with hooky. That is literally what I'm building the first place. Um, but no, start with self. So um, the advice that I always give is, um, and I, 
I used to write poetry. So every, and I'm a marketer. So all this stuff always flows, um, giving yourself space and grace. And then now that I'm a new mom, I say, and time, um, give yourself space, grace, and time. So, um, the space to figure it out and the grace to recognize that you won't know how at first. Um, and then the time to process and do what you need to do. Um, and if you are a parent, actually, if you're a parent, multiply by two, but just in general, give yourself more time than you were going to give yourself. So just like we'll put buffers in at work, um, give yourself a buffer to process this, to figure it out because it always takes longer than you think. You can also think about it like a home renovation. It will take twice as long. It can cost a ton more money than you think. Um, so space, grace, and time. Um, and then, um, nothing's wrong with you. Something is wrong with your situation. Um, cause that's also something that always get, that gets in the way of, especially for high performance or high achievers. They're like, but I did everything I was supposed to do. Did, was it all for not like, did I waste my time, energy, effort, so on and so forth. There's learning in everything. There's a lesson, even if you don't know it at that point in time, I did not want to work in office furniture. I bought it. And then now I'm working on workspace design and fostering team connections. So things happen for a reason. It's all part of our story. Um, and if you're dealing with burnout, maybe it's just shedding a light on the fact that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing anymore, or you're not taking the behaviors or prioritizing self. Um, and it's not easy. Everyone talks about just, just create boundaries. Just talk to your boss about being burnout. I, I get so, well, I'm happy about the world talking about it. I get frustrated. It feels flippant. Like all you got to do is, like, well, all I have to do is fight against all of the conditioning that I've had for all of my education and upbringing in life. Okay, sure. I'll just, I'll just go tell them I'm burned out and I cannot do the work that is on my plate. Okay. So how do we build together? So you're not in it. And the last thing is you're not in it by yourself. It is not you. Um, it's You're not alone in this journey. And so we are trying to turn the massive ship of workplace culture. And as we talk about the future of work, we are in the midst of building it now. It will be uncomfortable. We don't know the answers. The research is still out and is happening. And so right now, use those use those tools. Uh, get your marketing friend, your design thinking friend, because it's all about real life testing, iterating, and figuring out what works and doesn't work. Like we're in it. And so it's not going to be perfect before you have to start taking action. So um, yeah, that was a couple more than three, but... <laughs> Oh, Rena, thank you so much. That was just wonderful. I feel like we could keep going. You know, there's so much that you were sharing. And so just so grateful that you joined us today. Thank, thank you, you for having me. This was wonderful. The conversation just flew by so much packed into this. So thank you for your time. Awesome. I appreciate it so much. I told you I love this topic. So I'm always happy to chat. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.